0: Hello and welcome to Gamer to Gamer. I'm your host James Ejercasso. This is a podcast where I interview pros in the gaming industry about their careers and the games they love to play. Today's guest is Greg Tito. Greg is the communications manager for Dungeons and Dragons at Wizards of the Coast. Greg talks about his lifelong love of gaming, his experiences freelancing as a tabletop game designer, his time as editor in chief of The Escapist and his role preaching the gospel of D&D as the PR guy for the world's most popular role-playing game. Please use the affiliate links on thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. Just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other, and then shop as you normally would. And hey, if you like us, do me a favor. Head on over to iTunes and give the Tome Show a great rating. Let's roll the interview with Greg. Okay everybody, I am here with Greg Tito and he is an NPC who works at Wizards of the Coast. His challenge rating is well over 50. Greg, welcome to Game of the Gamer today.
1: Challenge rating of 50, that's pretty
0: that's pretty high up there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you could you could easily crush Tiamat. And thank you for all the work that you do uh, over with Wizards of the Coast on D&D. Really appreciate it. So you are, and have been for as long as I've been following you, a huge Dungeons & Dragons fan. Yeah, even when you were working uh, like at the Escapist and stuff, you did a lot of... Dungeons and Dragons uh, reporting and covering. And I remember back in the day you, you had, you know, the the D&D uh, stuff on your Twitter profile and everything. How did you first get involved in tabletop RPGs? When did you first play one? What did you lay hands on? What did you play? What was it like? I was, uh, it's a long time ago. I, it was back in the
1: 80s. My brothers, uh, I have older siblings who are uh, eight, and nine years older than me, and they had, Copies of the Dungeon Master's Guide and the Player's Handbook uh, from you know uh, first edition days. Those that cover with the the thief who's prying the jewel out of uh, the big statue's face, uh, and the the adventurers all around trying to, to scavenge all that Trevor treasure. That was really iconic for me. And then I were flipping through those pages and seeing the line drawings um, that the TSR artists had had created and really was transported into that fantasy realm. Um, Loved it. Would go to the public library in my hometown and and, and try to find all the supplementary, you know, gods and monsters and deities and all those books. Um, But I couldn't ever get a group together to play. I came from a a strong religious background, uh, so my parents... They allowed the books kind of there, but they didn't really want us to engage with them uh, any more than than that. Uh, and then I think if they actually did, you know, go through and find all the all the list of stats for devils and demons, they would have been a little bit more, even more, you know, uh, forbidding. <laughs> of it. Uh, so for a long time, that 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 fantasy fandom laid laid dormant uh, in my you know pre adolescent to two, two adolescent years. Um, I do remember old attempt to try and do middle earth role playing Mm. with my uh friends in high school. Uh and they were not not gamers. You know, they didn't have that I mean they had the same spark of interest, but you know, maybe it was my novice dungeon mastering or something like that. It just kinda fell apart uh, and, and never really got together. Um and then in college the same thing, a few a few groups here and there. Nothing really ever coalesced into a regular group. And it wasn't until I moved to New York City and I got married and I uh, outside the the realm of of my parents, that I I, I said to myself, "I'm like, huh, I, I I can play Dungeons and Dragons now. I don't have to, you know, be beholden to what you know uh, my my religious parents say anymore." So I found a group. Um, I took a it took a little bit of doing. I went through a few iterations, and I found a group that really resonated with me. It was a great dungeon master. We used to play on the the Upper West Side in his uh, lavish apartment. Uh, his his uh, Uh, wife was, was very wealthy. Uh, she was like a corporate lawyer or something like that. So they had a wonderful place. And, uh, the group I played with really liked to do the role-playing story element of Dungeons and Dragons. Of course they, you know, we leveled up and and, and did all the things we needed to do that to be really powerful 3.5 characters. Sure. Sure. (laughs) We did the 3.5, uh, age of worms campaign, uh, and went through the entire adventure path from from level one to I think we ended up level 22 uh, by the end of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like two or three years. And that that experience really cemented my my love of t- of tabletop role playing. And I was like in the early 2000s. So uh, once that went along, we met a few people, um, a- a- Tan, uh Bernstein, who was a freelancer for uh which uh, is the coast at the time? We met him in in New York, and we started pitching uh, Joseph Goodman to write some material. Uh, fourth edition had just been announced, and we were really excited about the prospect of uh, uh, writing freelance material for for Fourth Edition. We did I did a few books with Tavis Allison uh, and uh, and Aton uh, Bernstein for for Joe Goodman. Um, I don't know, we were actually one of the first companies to come out with a Bard, the fourth edition Bard, before uh, uh, the official one came out from, I think, in Player Handbook 2. Uh, so, yeah, I did the kind of s- small-time freelance uh, tabletop role-playing design uh, for a little while, pitched a lot of things. A lot of things didn't really work out. Didn't really pay any bills, though. Um, it, even though it was paid work, it was, you know, for the amount of love and effort that was, was, was put into it, anybody yeah. who's <laughs> Produce their own stuff realizes that it's it's really a labor of love, and the the any profit that you get is really just breaking even as far as the you know the the energy and capital that you put forth uh, in making it a product. Um, though, but it was always the dream, and even back then, I remember talking to my wife, being like, "Yo, it would be great if all of this stuff led to a job at Witches of the Coast." Um, and so then I pitched a few things to the Escapist because uh, I was still a, a video gamer at the time. Uh, I, I'm giving you my whole my whole life story if that's okay with you. Uh, yeah, and then we, we, uh,
0: <laughs> that's exactly, what we, to that's North exactly Carolina.
1: what we want. That's exactly what we want. Nice, yeah. So we moved to North Carolina and did the whole uh, game journalism thing, working for video games. So we still, of course, as as you mentioned, still love to talk about tabletop role playing as much as possible. I think actually one of the reasons I got hired at the escapist was, uh, uh I impressed, uh, my, my boss at the time uh, that I had I'd done some design work and he was, uh, also doing his own kind of tabletop design stuff on the side. So we bonded on that level. And, uh, then that ended, uh, this, this winter and this opportunity came up to work for Wizards of the coast, which was, you know, as I said, was originally my, my kind of dream goal, uh, uh, back in the day, uh, and then I've been here since March, and and kind of transitioned to a new role, new city, new new coast. I've never been on the West Coast before, so this has kind of been interesting uh, adapting to to the Seattle lifestyle. But then also the the making of a product uh, uh, here at Dungeons and Dragons is a different thing than I've done in the past. Uh, uh, at least the last five years, when I was at the Escapist, when we were we were just you know dealing with with content and trying to get clicks and, and eyeballs. This is more about you know, we have some uh, uh, a single product uh, that has, you know, different product lines along it. But, you know, uh, selling the brand of Dungeons & Dragons is something that I've been doing, you know, on my own for 15 years. So it's nice to, to be able to do that in an official capacity now.
0: Uh, so that's so- it in
1: a nutshell. Any questions?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, I have a ton. So you got your start kind of playing D&D as an adult, um, which, I mean, feels like you missed some of the stuff that like what you know, like when I was ten we all gave ourselves warple swords and flying pegasi and and that kind of thing. Um (laughs) you know what uh do you find that you have missed experience or is or, or or different experiences having come to tabletop role playing games a little later in life?
1: That's interesting. Um I think I I always loved the idea of tabletop role playing uh, more so than the application, at least until I found that 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 group in New York I was benching where we did age of worms, like I loved the concept of a uh, a shared world between people at a table and in all the the starts and stops of of playing that I did, that never really coalesced for me. It was very much maybe it was just the groups the personalities that I was with um, you know they were they're much more of the power gamer sense they were really just were there was not as much role playing. There was more uh, figuring out how to best the dungeon master's challenges. You know, uh, mm-hmm. and while that that can be very fun and, and uh, it's an integral part of what makes D and D kind of resonate with p- people. For me, I loved. Uh, I was a huge Tolkien fan. I still am a huge Tolkien fan. And, and really, watching the Rankin Bass animated version of The Hobbit is what cemented my love of, of fantasy when I was a kid. And so I always wanted that world building, that kind of huge, overarching thing that the players would just be a small part in this living, breathing world that was happening in, in the imagination of of, of whoever—the dungeon master—or or you know, on the page if if you're dealing with uh, all the the detail that, that Tolkien provided with with all of his works. And uh, so all the groups that I, that I tried never really reached that level of. Uh, immersion that I, that I really craved. Uh, So it wasn't until I found that one group where, you know, we would have entire three or four hour sessions without combat, without anything, any fights or or really, you know, not much dice rolling at all um, that, that I felt like, okay, this is, this is the tabletop role playing that I really love. You know, this is the, the, the shared world building story uh, that I, that I can get behind. So, you know, maybe, maybe just my, you know, as you said, like all the people who love to, to do the, the power gaming thing and give themselves, <laughs> you know, kind of fanciful superpowers almost just never really gelled for me. That's not really what I want. I wanted, I always loved the more gritty, underpowered characters that, that aren't good at what they do uh, and, and role playing them out. Uh, that's, that's really what resonated for me.
0: So describe for the people out there who, you know, they, they might know your job title, they might know you work for Dungeons & Dragons, but what is your your day-to-day like there at Wizards of the Coast? A lot of emails. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, I don't know.
1: It's it's. Uh, I, I think a lot of people think about, you know, uh, and this is what I did even before I, I got involved with the games industry is that, you know, you think you have a job working for a game company that you're just playing games all day and everything's... Fun and there's, you know the sound of dice rolling is, is you know follows you through the hallways, um, and that's true to a certain extent. There's definitely a lot of games being played or play tested or, or or iterated upon in a in an environment like this. But it's still very much an office job. Like you know we have meetings, we talk about you know the goals of of what we're going to do, and uh, uh, you know formulate plans and, and then execute on those plans. Um, and with the you know the communication that that email provides. I mean, I, I, I sometimes I get home and I I tell my wife I'm like God, I'm so exhausted. She's like, well, what did you do today? I'm like, I I wrote emails and sent them <laughs> sent them out. Maybe two hundred, three hundred today. You know, like you're always having projects that you're touching and going back and forth. You know, and and uh, so that's that's really more the day. to day. And then it's the special times where you get to you know sit around and and, and play something or or, or talk about you know, what's, what's coming up next and and getting excited about stories and things like that, that, uh, you know, that makes it all, all worthwhile and rewarding.
0: I think that really makes going into work (laughs) worth it. And you're supporting, you know, uh, tabletop gaming. Um, everybody who listens to this podcast obviously is very into it. But I think it's one of those industries that still needs a lot of help, um, particularly when you're doing, like, public relations. Like, I can't imagine everybody is always like, yes, I need the next Dungeons & Dragons press release because that's going to help me sell papers. Yeah, well, I mean,
1: you know, uh, as as being a part of this, that core gaming media uh, that your, your podcast is already, you realize that there's, you know, there's... Mainstream, you know, New York times level of stuff that we're always trying to, to get people to write about Dungeons and dragons. But there's also this, this kind of cotton industry of, of, uh, smaller outlets, um, uh, of people who just love are, are fans of the game. And I do eat up every single press release or every single announcement that we go to. Um, so that's really awesome. I think, I think that's, that's a great community and I love supporting it. And I love talking to you guys and making sure that, uh, you know, your voices are heard, but then you also get a sense of of, of, of what we're doing and, and what uh, our plans are for, for Dungeons & Dragons.
0: Are you seeing things grow in this industry? I think with the rise of the internet and, you know, Vin Diesel obviously being so passionate about the game yeah. and, and Stephen Colbert and podcasts and, you know, services like Fantasy Grounds and Roll20 allowing people to play over the internet – Um, Have you seen since you sort of started at Wizards, especially with this new launch of fifth edition, that the hobby is growing and are you seeing more people interested and new players coming to D&D and that kind of thing?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think uh, that the generation of, you know, creative people who work in television or comedy or or the movies, the generation that played uh, when they were young or, you know, um, you know, in the 80s and 90s, are now growing up. You know, and now they're in their you know, 40s and 50s, and they have leadership positions. So they're, you know, a lot of the executives uh, at, at, at entertainment companies are giving green lights to things that are are geeky and nerdy because they 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 played with them. You know, they knew them. So I think that's part of it. But you know, I, I, it seems like every other week we we find a, a celebrity or or uh, uh, an actor that's recognizable from something you know mention their love of gaming or their love of, of of geek culture in general and i think you're right like that is just spreading everywhere um you know i i follow a lot of them on twitter and then every once in a while a new person will show up and it's been fortunate that you know as i've been doing more hosting on our own D official podcast um that there's more and more people who have recognizable jobs uh in in the entertainment industry that are willing to come on and talk to us about it we had a uh, uh, the episode hasn't come out yet, but we had a writer from the uh, James Corden show uh, on uh, in L.A., uh, who is a dungeon master and has been a, you know, a stand-up comedian a dungeon master for years. And I'm talking to another person today who's a writer for The Tonight Show um, and is a, a longtime Dungeons & Dragons player. So, yeah, you're right. There's definitely this growth, this swell of of you know people who are – of their professional ages, you know, 30, 40, 50, who are, you know, have been fans from the get go and that are now just feeling more and more comfortable talking about it in a public setting. I think even in, in, you know, in the eighties and nineties, there was this idea that, you know, it was, it was shunned or, that you know, if you played Dungeons and Dragons, that was a, 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 a slur against you or, or your, or your popularity. And now it seems it's a, it's a, it's a badge of honor. Uh, I, I think people, you know, proudly wear their their Dungeons and Dragons fandom. And, you know, I, I think there was a, a swell of people when World of Warcraft became really popular that, you know, World of Warcraft was the new golf, and uh, that, you know, people were talking about how to get jobs, you know, how to play a game in order to, uh, with your boss, in order to, to get promotions and things like that. You know, and I imagine that Dungeons and Dragons is kind of the same thing. At least if you know your boss is into it, you know, that you'd, you'd want to participate and get involved <laughs> and, and you have that on- un- Around the table and you can show them that you have, you have the, the, the plucky diplomacy to, to you know, <laughs> get past the, the gold dragon, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, I, I think it's something that uh, is really attractive to someone who's been a fan for a long time, mm-hmm. having it be this, this normalized uh, and actually something to be proud of. I, I just think that's so cool. And I think also, you mentioned the rise of the internet. I think it's also the rise of streaming has sure yeah. normalized it for a lot of folks. And, you know, a uh, critical role uh, over on Geek & Sundry is a, is a big part of that. Our own um, Penny Arcade uh, Acquisitions Inc. games have shown what it's like to play. I think, I, you know, sure. we had uh, so many people at the Benaroya Hall at PAX Prime uh, a month ago, two months ago. Uh, we were turning away people at the doors, and there was a quick poll uh, that Chris Perkins did, uh, and he said, "How many times is this your first time watching people play Dungeons and Dragons?" And half the people's hands went up. Whoa! You know, yeah, and they just were there because they, their friends told them how fun and and, and interesting it is to watch, um, you know, Chris do his magic, and then of course the the, the comedy stylings of, of the Penny Arcade crew there. Um, it, it's super fun. And I think things like that, the spread of, of, of live play as a, um, uh, participant, you know, uh, you know, a spectator sport, uh, has really expanded the hobby even more just in the past, you know, two or year, three years.
0: Sure. Yeah. And with live, you know, like you said, live play podcast, the adventure zone, I think is another great one. Yeah. Um, that is, that is out there. So yeah, I mean, I, I am glad to hear you confirm that because I feel like, D&D is certainly on the rise um, and tabletop gaming in general. You know, when D&D rises, it sort of lifts the entire hobby up, which is really great. When you're talking about your day-to-day, how much, like, sitting down and playing games is there? Uh, like, are you guys playing d d or Magic at lunch? Um, obviously, there's probably some playtesting happening in the office. Uh, are you guys playing games yeah. together at night, like, staying late and, and getting stuff done? What's the gaming culture within your office like?
1: Um, well, we recently... Uh we uh, we as an wizard the coast recently got a, a space in the bottom of our office building that is essentially devoted to playing games. Uh, there's tables down there. There's a nice board game library. There's ping pong and and foosball and that kind of thing. So since that opened up, uh, the game playing culture at least you know that I've been able to witness uh, is it's huge. It's like every, every lunch, uh, every, you know, it seems like every time you go into that room, uh, there's people who are, who are playing games. Many of them stay after work uh, to play whatever whatever they let. It's usually not, although Magic is, is a very easy game to, to pick up and play. Uh, um, it's usually um, board game based. But then on lunch, there's a lot of lunchtime campaigns at Dungeons & Dragons that are happening. Um, you know, I, sometimes they I go in there and there's three or four different games happening in this large room. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot that are just going on and happening, um, and uh, I actually uh, was excited to start doing the live uh, out of the abyss campaign uh, on Twitch, mostly because that I had a a, a reason to continue to play uh, on on a weekly basis. I think I had uh, I just got caught up in the move uh, from North Carolina to Seattle and uh, was was meeting a lot of folks here. And you know, that's a very stressful thing. I don't know if you've ever moved a family uh, across you know, <laughs> three thousand miles, but I hadn't really gotten back up to speed and and formed a group. So it was nice to to have one here in the office where we can. Uh, uh, you know, do our latest story. I think the Out of the Abyss is, is the favorite adventure uh, of Fifth Edition for me so far. So it's been nice to to play through that, and uh, you know, it, it also do some some marketing and, and PR. You know, basically doing my job as a as a, a leader of that stream. So that's been a lot of fun. Um, but you know, it depends on what level of production we're, we're at on any given moment. Um, you know, a lot of our uh, rules and. Mechanics are are kind of set in stone at this point, you know, for fifth edition. So when 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 fifth was and this is what you know, Mike Merrill's and, and and Jeremy Crawford and people have told me uh, since I came out only in March after fifth had already uh, kind of published. But you know, there was a lot of of play testing going on along to, alongside the public play test of D and D next, you know, in the office, Um, and that. Is has died down to a certain extent. You are now more about content and story creation um, and playtesting. You know the adventures as, as you know before they come out, that kind of thing. But you know, as far as the the there's a really just solid base mechanics for fifth um, that we don't uh, necessarily you know want to mess with at any given point. So there's a lot less playtesting that. But then there's also other products around the building, uh, that people are in various stages of designing and making. And then, you know, there's also just kind of purely social things. There's, you know, uh, a bi-weekly tabletop, uh, like board gaming group that meets every like Tuesday night. And, uh, there's a magic league that goes around. So people are always playing, you know, uh, asking you to play in a magic league. Um, and as I said, kind of almost every little group, um, or, uh, what's the word kind of division here in wizards of the coast has a D game that is going on uh too like on a weekly basis or something like that so there's a lot here there's a lot of of, of just games on the shelves there's a lot of magic cards There's a lot of D books just kind of everywhere laying about open and and in various stages of being used so uh the culture is very much a play games talk about games you know eat games but then also uh do lots of meetings and, and get lots of work done too so it's, it's a balance.
0: That culture of gaming and everything has that led you to discover a lot of games, maybe you wouldn't uh, have otherwise. Obviously, when you were working at the Escapist, that's kind of you know, there's there's a big culture around games and you know geek culture kind of in general uh, with that publication, but. When you're at Wizards, I feel like the game specifically, are you learning a ton now about uh, all of the, uh, you know, various other things there? Like, you know, this board gaming group, are you learning all about some weird board games coming in and and that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I, I played a lot of, uh, you know, board games back when I was at The Escapist too, but it was more of a... um... Uh, and, and, and that's the way it is here, too. It's more of a, a leisurely, like, oh, hey, a friend recommended this. Let's let's try it out and, and see how it works. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of discovery there. Uh, but then as far as video games go, uh, it's actually been nice not having to review uh, video. I mean, I, I, I do not begrudge uh, my my former colleagues and how they have to deal with the review seasons of the fall. Uh, and cram in, you know, 48 hours of gameplay before reviewing Fallout 4 <laughs> or something like that. Now, it's been, I have to be honest, it's been very nice just, you know, having a game come out uh, and just me being wanting to play it and then playing that game and not worrying about, you know, am, am I keeping up with... With what's happening, what's current, you know, and you know, getting assigned reviews or assigning reviews to myself. I don't even when I was editor in chief, I was like, yeah, I want that game, and then be like, why did I do that? Now I have to stay up uh, and play as much as possible.
0: Mm-hmm. And so,
1: yeah, that that made made sometimes video gaming uh, feel more chore like. Uh, and so, it's nice to be free of that and to just enjoy games for games' sake. Um, you know, and getting into sword coast legends because I want to, because I want to experience that kind of uh, story and forgotten realms, and, and uh, uh, you know, create some fun dungeons for, for for people in the office to play through and, and uh, enjoy. So, you know, it's 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 been really. You're right. Like, it, there's definitely a lot of of people who are talking about new games that are coming out uh, and and things that are interesting, and and you know, I take their opinions, you know, my colleagues' opinions very. Seriously, because they're all experts in the in the game making field. So, uh, you know, they they always have really, really good recommendations and I I jump on them. Um, But it's always by a choice, which is which is a nice break.
0: So what are you playing now? What are what kinds of things, uh, you know, what games, what video games, uh, you know, what do you find yourself playing? I assume you're probably playing quite a bit of fifth edition. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Playing a lot of fifth. Um, uh, as I said, Sword Coast Legends, I've been really enjoying the, the, the storyline through there. I think, uh, you know, I, I was working with Jay Turner, the writer over at N space for, um, you know, at PAX and at E3 when we were promoting, uh, this, this game and showing it off for, for press. And, uh, I think the, the story that he's written is, uh, is really entertaining for Sword Coast Legends. I think it's, it's great. Um, you know, going through and and, and going to places that had not really been dramatized or in a video game uh, in the Forgotten Realms in the past, or like going to Luskin and seeing all the, the kind of pirate city and and adventures that can go on there has been, been, been really fun. So that's, that's one thing I've been playing a lot of. I've been playing a lot of, I'm a civilization kind of freak. Mm. Uh, So, Mm -hmm. so the latest uh, rising tide expansion for beyond earth uh, has sucked up a lot of, a lot of time, a lot of, I think I was up until one a.m. last night playing. Uh, I have for some reason have an epic game, you know, an epic speed game. So it's going really slow on a huge map. Uh, that in hindsight, I'm like, well, this is just prolonging me finishing this game. Now it's just taking forever. Uh, but I love all the intricacies of 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 the uh, diplomacy system that the Rising Tide uh, expansion came out with. It's really really good. Um, I've been wanting to get back into Wasteland 2 now that they just released their um uh enhanced edition essentially. Uh, you know, so that's cool. Um uh, I played Dragon Age Inquisition over the last month or so, kind of taking my second playthrough and finishing that, uh just to be able to be like, all right, right now put a bookend on that, and now I can get into the DLC, um, that kind of stuff. But then as far as tabletop goes, uh this one game that has been really Interesting to me, it's called Splendor. It's a, uh, I guess it's a card game, uh, but it's a strategy game where you lay out randomized cards and then you kind of create deals. It's a really, it's one of those games that's high concept, but it has a lot of strategy to it. Um, but the but the actual components are like, what are these? Uh, what You know, how, how do they actually work? Um, uh, you kind of just have to kind of get your hands on it and feel it out. But it's been a, re- it's a really, really fun game. Oh,
0: nice. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. And then I brought
1: my... Fun. Yeah, no, it's really good. Um, and then I, I brought my my family. I have two kids, a uh, four year old and a two year old, and we brought them into kind of a family game night uh, here at at uh, at Wizard of the Coast last week. And uh, we played some Connect Four, played some uh, um, uh, Sorry. There's like a new version of Sorry out that has an ice, but uh, <laughs> ice and fire is somehow
0: involved in Sorry now. It was kind of interesting. <laughs> It's like an expansion for Sorry. Is that the? <laughs> uh, that's awesome.
1: It was like a streamlining of of Sorry. They actually changed some of the rules. Like, you know, I don't know if you remember if you're a Sorry fan from back in the day, but you used to only be able to leave your, you know, take your guys out of your home base on a certain card. I think there was like two cards that you had to pull in order to to get someone out. But that rule has changed. And you can take anybody out, and you only have three people, you know, or pegs or or. or you know meeples or whatever they are you only have three of them where you used to have four so i think they try to streamline it but then they were like wait it's too simple so let's add some ice and fire things on there to (laughs) give some special special rules to it or something
0: oh yeah it sounds like maybe it's a little bit faster now which i'm sure my parents would have appreciated when i was a kid to have a faster game right exactly (laughs) uh how old are your kids
1: (laughs) they're 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 four four and two uh so the four-year-old uh, uh edna uh she's great we've been playing actually she's a gamer just like me she plays minecraft mm. uh disney infinity uh and um a game that is actually by the national geographic website i think it's called animal jam oh so it's yeah <laughs> yeah i work it's, for it's national a- geographic
0: oh, actually oh really <laughs> yeah yeah that's funny sorry it's, go ahead. yeah it's
1: it's pretty cool. she's she knows how to boot it all up on her own, and she, you know she doesn't know how to read yet, so but she's she I feel like games like this are gonna are teach her how to to really read uh, way faster than than you know school is really. So it's been great. We play a lot of Minecraft together. she's very scared of the Enderman and the and the uh, creepers who blow up all of her hard work. but <laughs> it's fun.
0: Yeah, yeah, it sounds like a ton of fun. When do you think uh, you know, obviously 2 and 4 are probably D&D is a little complicated. Uh, do you plan on introducing them to D&D at some point? Oh yeah, yeah. I think um oh,
1: yeah, like I said the oldest is is a, really a gamer at heart and, and it's it's very soon. Like I said I think I want to get her to start reading first or at least, you know, be able to understand uh, how a character sheet kind of works. Um so maybe like 5 or 6 I'll, I'll introduce Drew, but she loves like you know, we she comes in the office and I've I've given her a lot of miniatures that we have. So she's got a, she's got a blue dragon. She's got a unicorn. She really wanted this cockatrice that I had at my desk, so I gave her that. And so she's <laughs> latched on to the kind of fantasy ideals uh, really early. Um, I think it might have been. I mean, Disney is a, is a good you know kind of gateway drug into into fantasy a lot too. But we watched a lot of Tinkerbell. Bell. I don't know if you watched the the new movies that uh, uh, Disney made for, for the Tinkerbell line. It's it's great because Tinkerbell is an engineer. She's a tinker. She ah. has to solve problems by, by you know, basically making stuff or making things. And uh, it's, been, it's been really great. And I think that kind of like, – she latched on to the idea of fairies. And then, you know, so I don't know if you know this, but the Wizards of the Coast came out with a line of books, like The Practical Guide to Dragons, The Practical Guide to Fairies. Yeah,
0: yeah, totally. So –
1: well, I've been going through those with her and uh, you know it's 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 kind of like this mixture between young adult text and rules text uh, along with images that kind of la- la- she latches on. so we're reading about magic items and the magic items you need to to deal with fairies and how you shouldn't eat fairy food and you know the life cycle of fairies. so she she's really really interested in all that and we'll page through those books and 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 um, you know, start telling the the stories about what goes on there. So yeah, very soon. I think she's going to love, she's going to love it. She's going to love, she loves play acting. She loves, you know, taking her stuffed animals and giving them voices and stuff. So she's, she's like 75% there.
0: Yeah. It sounds like it would be right, right up her alley. So, uh, yeah, yeah. She she must love that she has a father who, uh, you know, works (laughs) in the industry too. That's, that's going to blow her mind when she figures that out. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I think,
1: Every once in a while, she'd be like, "What do you do?" And I'm like, well, "I work for a company that makes games." And like, her eyes like go wide. She's a little bit like, "Oh, I love games." And I'm like, "Yeah, me too." So yeah, <laughs> you're right. Like, once once she realizes that that that's you know not whatever dad does, uh, yeah, I, I I think it's it's those eyes are going to go even wider.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like you work for Santa Clubs. You know, it's it's incredible. <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> it's, it's and they love coming into the office and seeing like there's a lot of statues and we have Mitzi, the big dragon that's in our uh, our lobby here. So they've uh, they've they they just latch on to all these great kind of fantastical images and, and uh, get a kick out of it. So
0: do you guys still let people? I remember I went on a cross country trip after college years ago, and they let us. Uh, you know, we we when we were in Washington, we stopped at the Wizard of the Coast headquarters, and they let you like come up to that area where the dragon is and everything do they still let people come up to that uh first you know that kind of waiting room area and see the dragon and stuff
1: yeah i mean i think it depends on when when you came uh but (laughs) i think it might be i think the headquarters are in a new building now Oh, uh, but yeah i mean the the fourth floor where where the dragon is is the the public facing you know area so like any any public can come up there you can't go past there you know you need a key card to go past that area but yeah there's display cases of you know all of our products and awards and and um uh, you know, a, a trailer and some statues there. So, yeah, there's, there's definitely a public area.
0: Yeah, yeah. Very and uh, very nice uh, receptionist working at the desk. She was awesome. And, you know, um, so, yeah. Yeah, if, if people are around, uh, I encourage them to, you know, make the trip just for that cool little area and to see the dragon. The dragon is super yes. impressive it is it's a big it's a
1: big one, yeah for sure it's a, it's great to get your picture taken in front of it because it looks like you're it's about to snatch you up and eat you <laughs>
0: <laughs> well we're talking on the day the sword coast adventures guide uh, has hit stores everywhere and it's been out local friendly mm-hmm. game stores for a while. Um, this is a really cool product, got tons of information about the realms and stuff about it, uh, and then tons of new builds and Uh, you know, new racial options, new class options, new spells, all that good stuff that people love. So you got your, your fluff and your crunch in there. Um, are you guys excited about this book? It was cool to see, like, this is kind of the first, uh, supplement for players that you're putting out. Um, uh it's actually it's
1: it's for both uh players and dungeon masters, I feel because you know the forgotten realms has changed a lot uh over the you know the 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 shift from from third to fourth to fifth, and uh this is our document kind of a, like what's going on in the sword coast right now you know what what are the the deities that are in power what are the factions how are the cities um you know the, the ongoing storylines are, are are how you know if you wanted to set a game in any of these areas, this is the background and information that that would be really really helpful. So, I, I, as I said, I love that part of of D anD probably more than the the crunch of the mechanics. So that's the part that really speaks to me. You know, we've got pages and pages of, of uh, deity descriptions uh, and you know current events of, of what's happening with them, and that that's that's the part of the the, the meat of the book that I that I really ate up. Um, but yeah, you're right. Players can also jump in and and, and get some options. Uh, I like. I think the new backgrounds are are going to be a big hit. Um, pages
0: and pages yeah, and pages of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, that's one of my favorite parts about Fifth Edition's, you know, uh, kind of changes was the idea of, of putting role playing as a a choice that you make early, and your background kind of just, you know, uh, informs what what trope you're going to be playing essentially, you know, or how you're going to subvert those fantasy tropes. So there's just a lot more options for that in this book, um, especially ones that are, you know, specifically curtailed for the forgotten realms, but there's ones that aren't that you could use in any campaign setting. And I think that's important for people to realize it is the sword coast Adventurer's guide, but there's a wealth of information that you can use in your, in your homebrew games uh, or anything. Yeah. There, there was a few kits in second edition about being a spy master and that kind of thing. But you know the, the the spy master background and 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 skag is what we call it around the office <laughs> sword coast adventurers guy skag uh, you know i i just love the the flavor of 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 those roguish leaders uh that uh i i think if i were running a homebrew campaign i would use that one immediately because i love that that intrigue and those kind of city urban urban stories that you can tell so yeah there's there's so much there we're super excited about it and we're super excited about you know how this we we worked on it with um uh some of the the same folks uh green ronin who did the out of the abyss uh thing so it was great collaboration with them uh uh they provided a lot of uh you know material and then of course our story team um you know kind of took it and make sure that it was it was it fit all of our canon but it was just one of those another one of those great collaborations between what we you know think is a premiere you know, RPG company in green and marooning. we have a great relationship with Chris Pramus and, and Steve Kenson over there. We had them on our podcast, um, a couple of months ago to talk about out of the abyss and, and, uh, we're just really be able to present, you know, our, their work and our work, uh, together on, on a product like, like this.
0: Yeah, I really like the uh, the story-focused approach um, that you guys have. And I love that you're working with all of these different companies. You know, I think every time you collaborate with somebody new, right, new ideas flow. They bring something different to the table. So you get these, you know, you have these different adventure paths, these three adventure paths that are all very distinct and interesting. And they have a great story behind them. And it's great to find out what's finally happening in the realms. Um, You know, I think that that's huge. And I love that I have a lot of players who, since the launch of 5th edition, are now picking characters based on the story they want to tell and not based on what they want to play, if that makes sense. That they think about, you know, this, this is a really cool story and I'd love to see where it goes as opposed to, I'd really like to play a guy who dishes out a lot of damage. Which I think either is a fine way to play, but it's great to see... My players changing it up after a few years, giving me some new stuff to play with, and and all that. Um, and I do love Skag. I love the the approach of you know you guys putting out quality products um, that you really take your time with and everything. So it's nice to not feel yeah. like you had to have a book out this month, so you rush something. You know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, been a tenet of, of fifth edition uh, is that. We want to make sure that the products we're putting out there are something that we're 100% proud of. We want this to be something that's used at the table for decades to come, not just a, oh, hey, this is something that's, that's cool and neat. And then it goes on the shelf, you know, never to be kind of touched again. You know, like we have stuff that uh, – the the stuff that we're producing and publishing for 5th edition is, is st- a story and material that we think – is going to stand the test of time and have people really latch on to the way they did, you know, the, all the, the white box material and stuff like that. So yeah, that's, that's been a a philosophy and I, I think it's really paying off. Um, I think I, you know, there's, we obviously check, you know, things like EN world and other, other communities, RPG net. And there's, there's always a vocal people be like, I want more, I have money. I want to put more down. And, and, you know, we respect and we listen to that, but we also really want that money that you're putting down to be worth something. We want it to be a, a quality product. That, like I said, that you'd be not just happy to have on a shelf for as for uh, collecting purposes, but for for actually using at the table. You know, and I think that's that's really laudable. I think, you know, as I said, my uh, Dungeon Master that I played with in, in in third edition, you know, he he had a lot of disposable income, so he definitely had all of those books uh uh that that were produced during the three point five era and they were they were awesome to have as resources but you know after uh six months or a year or so uh you know we would maybe have one spell or one component of that thing we would use on a, on a regular basis, but for the most part it was just you know it was just a collection um and uh we really wanted to to do I mean, have the products that we make be stuff that people played with mm-hmm. all the time.
0: I uh, I have one more question for you. Well, I have a few more because we, we got to get your your name out there and everything. People can follow you on Twitter and all that good stuff. But before we get to that,
1: mm-hmm.
0: my big question is this. So okay. you know, today with with Skag coming out, as you said, and Sword Coast Legends is out, and we we've seen a lot of products we've been excited about for months. I find myself wanting something to be excited about on the D anD D era again. Uh, so. Do you think we might hear something in the future? Uh, not even going to put a timeline on that or anything. Uh, a new thing to be excited about will uh, will be hitting our ears at some point. Um, yes, there will be something new. <laughs> I know that's as much as you can say. So in the future,
1: yes, that is definitely true. I mean, no, I mean that's that's a big part of what uh, you know. You were asking about what I do on a day to day basis. I mean, that's that's a big part of what I'm doing is preparing for. You know our communications of of what's to come, uh, not just in 2016, but but beyond. So yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff that I think uh, the entrenched RPG fandom is going to be really excited about, but there's also going to be a lot of stuff that you know uh, people beyond that 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 circle are going to be be super interested in and uh, won't be disappointed.
0: This is super important to me, and I think you know your job is essentially growing the hobby and getting the word out there, which I think is some of the most important work that uh, that can be done as far as this industry goes. So thank you very much for everything that you do, Greg. If people are interested in following you on Twitter or finding you elsewhere online to heap praise upon praise on you, uh, where can they find you?
1: Well, they don't have to praise me. They can ask me questions or. or, or, or... <laughs> oop on me. I don't care. Uh, but I, as you said, I'm on Twitter. I'm at Greg Tito. Pretty easy. Um, you can follow me there. Ask me anything. I'm definitely very open to, uh, you know, even if you know, I'm not going to be able to answer or whatever, just, you know, yeah, just start a conversation. Let's, let's start talking. Um, we're also doing the Dungeons the dragons official podcast. Uh, you can follow it on iTunes. Um, it's also available directly from our website. Uh, we've for those of you who do follow on iTunes, we've had a little bit of a hiccup of trying to get every episode up there. Right. Uh, so I apologize for that, but that should be fixed very, very soon if not already. Uh, so yeah, check that out. Um, as I said, we're talking to a lot of really exciting folks uh, and may even be, uh, you know, there's, there's uh, a one big cast coming up uh, that go, that yeah, you may not really realize is a, a Dungeons and Dragons person, but it's definitely recognizable for those of you who watch TV uh, and, uh, uh I don't want to say the name yet, but it's, it's, it's pretty awesome that these people are coming out of the woodwork um, as and, and identifying as D&D fans. So that, that's really exciting. So please pay attention to that podcast. Then, of course, I'm doing uh, the weekly uh, stream of Out of the Abyss. Uh, I think we're in, going to be a session four on Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, it's on our Twitch channel, uh, which is wizard or underscore D&D. Mm-hmm. Um, Um, subscribe to that channel. You get updates of when we're going live. We're doing lots of Sword Coast Legends play. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, been wa- having Chris Perkins in the office playing uh, Sword Coast Legends and and uh, role playing uh, with folks around the table as we're all got our laptops playing Sword Coast Legends. It's been really fun. Um, he's an excellent. I mean, as, as as most people know, he's an excellent, excellent DM, and and he's really proved that it's not just tabletop. He can he can do it in Sword Coast Legends. He can do it in Neverwinter. He can do it. He can do storytelling uh, in almost any any medium. And fantasy grounds, as you mentioned. Um, so yeah. Look forward to that. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to be streaming or if that'll be on our YouTube channel. So if you miss the Out of the Abyss Live stuff, uh, it will go to YouTube a day or two later. Uh, I think, as I said, I think I have all the sessions up there now. So go check those out if you're interested in how I Dungeon Master uh, and the hilarity of working with... uh, you know crazy characters in the underdark uh i'm really excited about this adventure i think out of the Abyss is super fun so hopefully we'll we'll get to some kind of uh resolution over the next months or so uh and uh and, and you'll see where that takes you but i just think that's really cool you know i think a lot of people were worried about you know uh, spoilers or should i watch this if i'm also going to be playing it and there's no two i think that's something that people uh need to really kind of realize about live D D plays i like it you know it's no two sessions are going to be the same. Even if you're using the same published adventure, mm-hmm. you know, the story is going to be vastly different, like almost from, from the beginning, you know, based on the, whatever choices the dungeon master makes, you know, it's going to be a completely different experience. So I think people are really latching onto that is watching live D and D play. And then, you know, in true D&D fashion, mining it for, for stories that they can use in their own games, you know, or, or mining it for, for character ideas that they can, they can use in their own games. So I, I'm really excited to be a part of that community, as you said, and, and growing it. And, uh, um, you know, there those are all the ways that, that, uh, that, uh, you, you can, you can touch me as far as in the, in the community itself.
0: That's amazing. Well, like I said, thank you for all you're doing. Thank you for all the extracurricular work it sounds like you're putting into this as well. Uh, (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, Greg Tito, uh, like I said, he just leveled up. He's a level 51 NPC. Uh, Make sure that you go and you check him out. Uh, Thank you very much, Greg. I really appreciate you coming on Gamer to Gamer today.
1: Thank you so much, James. It was a pleasure to be on. I'll be on on whenever you want. You just let me know.
0: Uh, Get ready. We're going to start a great cast. (laughs) Greg Tito cast. Nice. All right. Maybe i will
1: get to level 100 by then.
0: (laughs) People, if you have a question or comment about the show, you can reach out to me on Twitter at James Intercaso. That's at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Or you can go to the Tome Show's website, thetomeshow.com, and leave a comment in the show notes for this episode. And a quick shameless plug for me, check out my blog, which is all about Exploration Age, the 5th edition D&D world I'm building, over at worldbuilderblog.me. Okay, everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks to Greg for being on the show. Also, many thanks to Jeff Greiner and to Sam Dillon don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. Remember, never give up. Life is a game. Eventually, you gotta roll a 20.